In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Out of a concern for our church members and neighbors uh, and wanting to prevent the spread of this awful virus that is ravaging our country and world, we have suspended in-person worship services for the month of June uh, and instead will be worshiping via podcast. It's a little unorthodox and it's a little unusual to worship via podcast, even after a few months of doing it. But at the same time, we know that the Spirit of the Lord is present with us, uh, even now as we are in our homes or in our cars or, or wherever you happen to be listening to this podcast. Uh, we know that Jesus is Lord wherever we are. And we know that through the power of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is present with us as we listen and pray along with Jim, as we sing along with the songs, as we read scripture, as we hear God's word proclaimed. We know that the Holy Spirit is with us. We hope to be worshiping in person soon so that we can see each other face to face. Uh, but until then, we pray that the Spirit of the Lord would keep you encouraged and lifted up. We also have one other new uh, piece of encouraging news, and that is we are adding another podcast to the regular uh, lineup of podcasts that we have going. This is going to be a music podcast led by Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, and will feature her voice as well as Larry Crownover. Uh, singing songs and hymns uh, enough for a whole month if you want to listen to a couple at a time, or if you want to just listen to the whole thing all in one go, then you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, but that will be coming out soon, so keep an eye out for it. We don't have a real catchy name for it yet, but you'll see it come up uh, in the podcast listing, and we'll also alert you in our Facebook feed. We pray that wherever you are, that you are well, that you are safe, and if there is anything that we can do to be praying for you, please let us know by sending an email uh, to the church via the church website. Before I lead us in prayer, I would like to read a note from the Raycraft uh, family. It says, Dear family, I want to thank my faithful brothers and sisters in Christ for the wonderful cards and text messages of love and encouragement. The power of prayer is the precious grace of Jesus through the Holy Spirit who uh, gives Raj and me his love, strength, and courage. He fills our cup overflowing each morning. Please read Lamentations 3, 22 through 26. God bless you and keep you safe. With much love, Anne-Marie and Roger. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father, we bow before you, you who are Lord over the universe, you who are in control of all, you who are the Prince of Peace, and you who are many other attributes. 
Today in our country, there is much strife and unrest. And all you have to do is turn on the news and you can see it. It's on 24-7. How is a Christian to respond to this? Lord, I believe that we need to look to you for the answer. A person that I know and respect once told me, Listen to both sides before you act upon your preconceived notions. And the third component to that is that we take our Bibles and we open them and we read what, the, the, what your son said in your word. If Jesus were with us today, physically with us, what would he tell us? I believe he would give words of encouragement to those who are trying to do the right thing. I also believe that he would not condone the violence and the looting that's taking place after dark. But the third thing he would do is he would point toward the cross. He would tell us and remind us of what he did on that cross. He didn't do it just for us. He did it for all. And that cross is the power to heal this nation. Lord, we have many prayer requests. We have members in our congregation who are not well. We have, um, we have others who have friends and relatives that they have concerns for. We have a family that has lost a loved one. And I pray for the Coles during this time as they're grieving the loss of Karen's mother. And I ask that you give them comfort during this time of grieving. There are some who have lost their jobs and they don't know how they're gonna make ends meet. And Lord, I ask that each one with prayer requests would remain strong in their faith. And they would realize that by listening to the Holy Spirit, you already have a plan in place for them. And they would follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. I pray for our young church. They have many prayer requests too. I pray for Melissa and Ashley and Sherry as they minister to that group. And I hope that they can see the love of Jesus and that if they don't know him as a personal savior, that they would accept him. I pray for our church, for our hope program, that we're able to continue to feed those who are hungry in our neighborhood. I ask that you bless our church. I ask that our church be spirit filled and we listen to the Holy Spirit as you chart a new course for our church. Lord, I thank you for all that you do for us. I pray for this pop podcast now as we record it. And I ask that you be with our pastor as he brings words of encouragement to us. And with that, I lift up all these requests to you. In your precious name I pray, amen. Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. 
On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear that their own languages were being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? they exclaimed. These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk. That's all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want you to picture in your mind for a minute a skyscraper or any kind of a tall office-type building. You know, there, there are lots that come to mind. Um, you know, there, there are numerous tall buildings in downtown Portland. Um, you have some, some, famous, uh, some famous skyscrapers like the, uh, the Sears Tower in Chicago or the Liberty Tower in New York City or the Shard in London, or the Burj Khalifa in Dubai. All of these are magnificent buildings that stretch up into the sky. And they usually are, they have some sort of metalwork around the outside and feature smooth glass windows, uh, creating a, a shiny and, and brilliant uh, look that is impressive. And, and you look at these buildings and you see that they're, they're worthy of our admiration. They're worthy to look at and say, wow, like these are, this is really something to stand here and look at this structure. But people go in and people come out and work happens there and people come in to do their work and people go home, and sometimes they'll have uh, residential parts of this, but you just look at it from the outside, and all of the parts that are of these big buildings that are usually available for public visitation are all very sleek and stylized. Now I want you to think about a neighborhood coffee house. You know, the sort of place that has maybe some old comfy chairs that you sink down into. It's got all sorts of, of artwork um, scattered around. Uh, maybe it has a little art gallery inside, the, uh, inside of the coffee shop. 
And all sorts of people come in. They, somebody might come in to get their coffee to go. They might come in to work for a little while. Or they, they might come in to sit and talk with a friend. And they sit in those big, comfy, oversized chairs or at a table. And they see people they know. They see regulars at the coffee shop. And it's nothing to look at from the outside. You know, it, it, it may not be very impressive. It may be a little drab even. But it's life, and life happens there. We know that there are buildings that, that are impressive to look at and buildings that are not impressive to look at, but the purpose of, of a building, yes, it can be beautiful, but life has to happen there. Last week, we started talking about Pentecost. We started talking about what God did by sending his Holy Spirit into the church. And last week we read the passage that we read this morning. But I want to take another look at it. I wanted to maybe move to a different position, so to speak, and take another look at this passage. But to do that, I want to contrast it with a passage from the Old Testament. This is Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia or Shinar and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building the city. That's why the city was called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. Now, I'll be honest, I'm not the first person to stand here and, and put Babel and Pentecost side by side with each other. Uh, almost as long as the church uh, has been meeting as, as God's people uh, from the time of the early church in the book of Acts, people took Pentecost and they said, yes, this is something that we can set against Babel. Because what are the marks of the Babel project. Well, they wanted to build a great city. And it wasn't a city the way we would think of a city now. They didn't say, you know, right, let's set up, you know, residential, commercial, industrial zoning, and we'll have permits and, and fees and, and all of this sort of thing that we commonly think about with a city now. They were focused on walls for protection, They were focused on a temple, and then they focused on this tower. And inside the walls, 
people could live and, and be safe. The temple would be a place not just of worship, but probably also of commerce. And then there was the tower. The tower was not so that they could reach God, but the tower was built with the idea that that's how God could come down and meet with them. And in the temple, they would put out things that they thought God wanted, food and riches and gold and, and you know, the best of what they had, that they thought would please God, and that if they did that, that God would keep showing up. And in that way, they thought they could consolidate worship right in that place. They thought that if they built this great tower that the Lord would descend upon, that, that they could keep everything right there, that they could keep their same language, the same people, their same everything, and they wouldn't have to spread out or scatter. They would not have to move beyond this empire that they set up because if they could meet God's needs and win God's favor, then God would be right there and other people would have to come to them. And that, in turn, would mean that they had made a great name for themselves. That by convincing God that this was the place that he needed to be, that people would then say, these people are so great that they have built this place where God comes and visits us. Well, there's problems. There's lots of problems with this. They clearly didn't know God. They clearly were not, cre not familiar with who the creator God was and is. And one of, the, one of the main pointers of that is their desire to consolidate power through sameness. If they kept everything the same, if they kept everything uniform, if they kept everything in that one city just the way it was, nothing would have to change, nothing would have to be different. Their greatness in their eyes, was linked to God blessing them for building this great thing and staying all right there and consolidating their power. Another problem is their cheap building materials. Instead of using stone, which is what we see the great pyramids of Egypt have been built out of that have stood the, the tests of time. They used brick and tar. And we know from looking at archaeology at that time that the people who were planning the city were not likely the people who were baking the bricks. They were not likely the people who were out under the hot sun. That it was likely that this was slave labor. And they built, it, they built this great thing for themselves, not on their own, but on the backs of slavery. 
And it wasn't something that was going to last. It wasn't something that was quality. They wanted to put something up that would make themselves look great with as little cost to them as possible. None of this looks like the pattern of the God who had just created the the heavens and the earth. None of this looks like the God that we know. And God scattered them, and sometimes it's viewed as a curse, but we really ought to see it as a blessing because God says, if they can do this, what more would they be able to do? What potentially worse things might they be able to come up with? And so God scattered them and decentralized this power and this demand for sameness, this power that had come through sameness. In one of Jesus' last meals with his disciples, they said, Lord, when are you going to restore the fortunes of Israel? In other words, when are you going to bring power right back to this place? And Jesus says, I'm going, wait for power from on a high, but then you will be my witnesses here, but also in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth that you are going to scatter out. And this is where we start seeing the redemption of Babel. Because when we see that God's priority is not to enforce sameness, that God's priority is not to have power that's maintained through a strict and rigid, uniform devotion to an earthly desire for sameness, we see God's heart for humanity. We see when the Holy Spirit shows up that God loves the diversity of humanity and God blesses the diversity of humanity. And that the kingdom of God will incorporate the best of what we have to offer each and every one of us from our differences in Jesus' name. What's different about Pentecost than Babel? Well, Pentecost is initiated by God, whereas Babel is initiated by men. We see that God sends the Holy Spirit and fills the disciples, fills all of the people who were gathered in that upper room. And it's something that the disciples could not have done in any way, shape, or form on their own. This is entirely something that God did. It's not the work of human power. It's not something that anybody could take credit for. It's the work of God. 
It's personal in that the Holy Spirit filled each one of the disciples that was in the room, but they were there together. It's personal, but it's also corporate. They were together. They were all proclaiming the greatness of God together, yet individually. And it's diverse, yet one in the Spirit. You see, the the sameness of Babel was its power. Whereas God shows his power through the diversity of humanity. All of these people were in Jerusalem from all over the world, as they knew it at the time, And they were all there where they could hear the disciples proclaiming God's greatness in their own language. And as I mentioned last week, God could have done this through Hebrew. He could have done this through Greek. He could have done this through Aramaic. But he didn't. God proclaimed the arrival of the Holy Spirit through the disciples, in the languages of the people who were listening. They're all different. They're all scattered around. And what God is saying by doing this, by using the diversity of languages and the diversity of peoples, is that he is calling the the beauty of humanity and the differences of humanity and the things that humanity uses to divide each other for his purposes. That God's greatness is not contingent on humanity being the same, but rather on God being great within humanity. we look around a lot of times at the difference of each other. We look around and we see the things about each other that are different. And we see this come out in our conversations about politics. We see this come out in our conversations about sports teams. We see this come out in even our our preference on pizza styles. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was having a conversation with somebody, and I asserted very strongly that deep dish Chicago pizza is better than that ridiculous New York pizza that you have to roll up like a taco. I said it. There you go. Nonetheless, at Pentecost, God takes these differences that we would use to define each other. And he uses them according to his purpose. He affirms humanity's rich diversity through language, through ethnicity, through where these people have come from. 
Because God doesn't care where we come from as long as we belong to him. And that doesn't mean that our background isn't important. That doesn't mean that we need to be colorblind and ignore the cultural and the ethnic differences that make us unique. That means that we offer these things to God as treasures. Because ultimately, what worship is, is bringing the best things that we have to offer from earth and offering them freely to heaven. And in the book of Revelation and in lots of the Old Testament prophets, it says on the day of the Lord, when, when, uh, when the Lord returns to earth to rule directly over his people, that the glory and the treasure of the nations will be brought into will be brought into the kingdom of God. And what's the glory and treasure of the nations? A lot of times we think it's riches or a lot of times we think it's gold and wealth and and power. But isn't it rather our songs, our stories, our food, the things that make us human are our riches and are valuable to God. God loves humanity's diversity because God created humanity to be a diverse people spread out throughout the world. And the mission of the church now that we will see going forward through Pentecost is to call all of the differences and put them in their rightful order through the power of the Holy Spirit. To call all of these different and diverse lives to be different and diverse, but in Jesus' name. Willie James Jennings is a, is a biblical scholar at Yale University, and he asked this question in his commentary on this passage. Where is the Holy Spirit taking us, and into whose lives? And that's a good question, because if we believe that God affirms human diversity, and if we believe that the mission of the church is to call this diversity into the kingdom of God and to put it in its proper order under the lordship of Christ, then we have to care about diverse people. We have to care about when injustice is being done to people who look different than us. We have to worry
and fret and, and pray for our brothers and sisters all around the world who are suffering oppression. Right now in the United States, there is a lot of unrest, I think it's safe to say. And it started when two innocent lives were taken callously because of their skin color. As followers of Jesus who affirm the goodness of humanity's diversity, we can't stand for this. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to make sure that same racism is not present in ourselves. Because what racism is, is a denial of God's image in another person. It is a denial of God's goodness in another human being based on skin color alone. And the church has to present a better way. And we have to present a way where we are led by the Holy Spirit and we are, where we are different and diverse, not just of opinions, but of skin color, of background, of story, of history. We all come from different places, but we all bring the best and the worst of ourselves and we lay it out at Jesus' feet and we let Jesus sort out the worst of it and we give the best of it to God as worship. A worshiping community of Jesus Christ has no room for racism. And we need to present a better way as God's people in the United States of loving and caring for black lives right now than the world is. Because the ways of the kingdom of God are not the ways of the world. And there may be people who scoff at that. There may be people who think that's wishy thinking. Just as on Pentecost, people thought they were drunk. People thought they were drunk out of their minds at nine in the morning. The vision of community that I'm presenting this morning, or that I'm desperately trying to present this morning, is difficult. By human standards, it's not easy. By human standards, it takes work, it takes effort, it takes conversation, it takes caring, it takes being involved in each other's lives, it takes being willing to admit that I am wrong about some things. 
And by human standards, that may be impossible. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit, 12 largely uneducated men and all of the women and other people who were in the room that day as well, if the Holy Spirit can take that group of people and proclaim God's glory to a diverse crowd waiting below, then that's the power of God that lives in us. That's the power of God that fuels the church. And that's the power of God that can fill First Baptist Church of Oregon City, that can fill churches in the United States to love and serve and care for the black lives that feel like they don't matter to the outside world around them. And that's how we redeem Babel, is not through human greatness, but through God's greatness. It is not the work of us, it is the work of God. Amen.
We come now to the time of the Lord's table. And if you are listening to this on Sunday morning, June the 7th, 2020, um, we do have at 11.30 this morning, uh, Pacific time, a Zoom coffee hour. And we begin our Zoom coffee hour on the first and third Sundays of the month with communion, uh, just as we would if we were uh, here in person. So if you are listening to this and it is before 11.30 Pacific time, and you would like to receive communion with us, I mean, you, you have to provide the bread and the grape juice or the crackers and soda or donut and coffee, whatever you have. Um, if you would like to participate with that, um, it is in the, the link is in the Friday email that we send out from the church, um, or you can send an email to the church real quick. Uh, again, our email address is on the website, onebaptistchurch.org, and you can, um, we can send you the Zoom link and you can join in with us. When we come to the Lord's table, we realize that it is the table that Jesus sets for us and that Jesus is present with us. The table of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. It is the table of sharing with the poor of the world with whom Jesus identified himself. It is the table of communion with the earth in which Christ became incarnate. So come to this table, you who have much faith, and you who would like to have more. You who have been here often, and you who have not been for a long time. You who have tried to follow Jesus, and you who have failed, come. It is Christ who invites us to meet him here. If you are planning on joining us via Zoom, don't feel as if you need to take communion right now, but if you are unable, we invite you to the Lord's table and we proclaim to you a mystery that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ is coming again. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. The body of Christ, broken to redeem all humanity, take and eat. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. The cup of the new covenant that creates one family out of many 
that creates, turns humanity into God's family in the name of Jesus. Take and drink. And I'll close with Paul's concluding words in 1 Corinthians 11.26. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Amen. Have a time of prayer now, um, using a prayer that seems appropriate for these times. Let's pray together. Look with pity, O Heavenly Father, upon the people in this land who live with injustice, terror, disease, and death as their constant companions. Have mercy upon us. Help us to eliminate our cruelty to these, our neighbors. Strengthen those who spend their lives establishing equal protection of the law and equal opportunities for all. And grant that every one of us may enjoy a fair portion of the riches of this land. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We thank you for joining us for, for worship this morning. We pray that as we sang and prayed and read scripture and proclaimed God's word and celebrated the Lord's table, that you were able to sense the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'd like to thank our worship director, our director of worship and youth, Melissa Mellinger, for the music. I'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for leading us in prayer this morning. I'd like to thank Katie Witham for reading scripture uh, with lots of difficult-to-say names. I would like to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, uh, for making us all sound good this morning. And I'd like to thank uh, our church body for standing together, for loving each other, for caring each for each other, uh, and for keeping connected uh, through these times. Uh, we pray that as the days go on, that you would remember to love God, love your neighbor, and wash your hands. Amen.